Hey friends, have you ever had a time where you're just so mad and you're so upset because things just didn't go the way that you planned? Well, I know for me that's happened. And if we're being honest, I'm not just mad at the circumstance. I'm mad at God because he's allowed that circumstance. So whether you're angry at him right now or you've been angry and you've been through this before, I really want to dive into this today with a special guest. So, let's get started. Hey friends, I'm Cassie, and I'm a married Spoonie who lives the chronic illness life. Here, each week, I'll challenge you to live intentionally and authentically, where every spoon you use has a purpose and every step you take matters. Welcome to Chronically Cultivating. sister Katie. You hear my mom and I talk quite often, and obviously you all know Jared, but I'm super happy to introduce my dad to you. He is not only my dad, but he's a pastor of a church in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, and he's been blessed to not only get his master's in ministry, but his doctorate as well, and I'm just so glad that you're here with me today. Hey, Cass. Glad to be here. So today I really, really wanted to dive into how God can handle our our anger. And this is something that I've just learned and experienced through the course of having a chronic illness. But I thought not only would it be interesting for you as my dad to be here and talking about this and what you've had to walk through as a parent, but also as a pastor and just how we've handled this as a family. Yeah, it's quite a challenge to go through difficult times and a lot of times people look at a pastor and say oh and they look at the pastor's family and just kind of expect that everything is all sweet and there are no issues in fact we were just speaking about this this past Sunday Uh, we're doing a series called he understands and this week we were looking at he cares for us and talking about how God came down and walked with us and and saw the struggles that we deal with firsthand. Yeah. And, you know, I think also, I think for people looking in on a pastor's family, they just assume that we never doubt God ever. We just are almost like, you know, that just like hedge of protection kind of thing. Like that's what I think of, of just, um, you know, but that's, that's so not the case. Um, and You know, we've really walked through this um, a lot in our life, and it was funny um, because I've had some memory loss, as you all know, and so when we were talking about this, you brought up some kind of, they were very real in the moment, so I, I, but I do find it really funny now, Um, but did not at the time, you know, just how I was feeling towards God, and we were talking about that. Yeah, there was a time when you were in high school, I believe it was, maybe junior high, but junior high high school area. I had been, been dealing with uh, the RSD Crips for a while, and mm-hmm. you were just angry at God. And, you know, as we were talking about it, you were saying, talking about being discouraged, or, and it was like, no, 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 you were, you were angry. Uh, you actually, there was a point at which I think I was just, wanting to know if you wanted me to pray with you and you're like 
God and I are not speaking right now. <laughs> Which I somewhat remember now, but I 100% know myself, and I know that's so something that I would say. So there was mm-hmm. no doubt in my mind that it happened, and I'm sure it was not funny to me in the moment. Um, but yeah, there have been lots of times where God and I have not been on speaking terms. And I think you don't even have to have a chronic illness to experience that. I think most people have felt that way at some point. Well, we find that all the time, at least as pastors, because there are people who come to you and they're all different challenges or crises that they're going through. I remember there being one woman who was bringing her kids to church, but she wouldn't step foot in the church. But she had her kids involved in the program. They would come on Sunday mornings and... It was a really volatile situation, and DCF ended up coming in and taking the kids. And she was crying out while we were there, and she's like, how could God allow this to happen to me? And you know, I had to, you know, in as loving a way as I could say that, first of all, the things that were going on in her life were dangerous for these kids to be around, but not only that, for her to be challenging God when, as far as I could tell, she had no relationship with him. Mm-hmm. It was this idea that, well, God should be taking care of me and I don't need to believe in him. But when something goes bad, I'm going to blame him. And it's just not really fair to look at it that way. And then there are people who everything seems to be going right. And all of a sudden you talk to them and you know they let you know what's going on behind the scenes. and. Mm-hmm. You know, the struggles that they're having and the, and the challenges. And those can wear on your belief system that you have yeah. in place. Yeah, and it's something that, you know, we, a lot of a lot of people, myself included, you know, just, I think before I had the relationship that I have with God now, it was almost just like, okay, well, now that things are going great, I don't need you, I don't really want to talk, like, I'm mm-hmm. too busy for you. But God finds a way to make you slow down and realize that there is time for him if you make it. And when you deliberately try to X him out, um, sometimes he's not super quiet about it. Yeah, sometimes he'll (laughs) let you go, but other times he's going to draw you back. And sometimes the, the process of being drawn back can be uncomfortable. Well, and I think too, I mean, this was something we were talking about and I truly have, I have been thinking about this nonstop because honestly, I mean, you know, obviously I'm a pastor's kid because my dad is a pastor and we were raised in a church and had a um, Christian curriculum and whatnot, but I was still a teenager and I didn't always look at the theology of things and really decide what was true and not true. And so I had, I had really come a long way in my journey, um, of recovery, dealing with RSD and all of those things. And I was finally in a place where we thought I was doing a lot better. Um, but we also didn't know at the time about Ehlers-Danlos. It was a really unique time and I was pushing the limits well, and you also had someone who was kind encouraging of encouraging those. you that this was over and done with and 
just to you know the whole positive affirmation you just need to believe that this is the way it is and and it will be that way and I definitely jumped on that train and I do remember that there's a lot I don't remember but I do remember my parents kind of being like hey this is not the greatest idea but I was in college and I was gonna do what I wanted you you were getting ready you had just finished your senior year yeah and you know, you were really in a different place, and you know, for I think for both your mother and I, our probably our biggest concern was that how you would handle both spiritually and emotionally if things started to head in that direction again, which unfortunately which they, did. they did. And you had brought up something that I had said to you just about the whole situation, because I took it way past God and I are not on speaking terms when I was in high school. I kind of jumped to a whole other level. And I seemed to have believed at the time that God and I had had an agreement. Yeah, it was uh, things (laughs) that was all, but that was all a part of this because you had gotten into this idea of all you need to do is believe it and it's true. And which is, Unfortunately, a lot of what we see in the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. is just this idea that, you know, name it and claim it, believe it and it's true. And this idea that you can just, you know, move forward. And for some people that may work, but uh, there are others who God has allowed challenges and struggles to be there. And I always think of the Apostle Paul and his thorn in the flesh there's been a lot of discussion around what that thorn in the flesh is. And I think that it has been left specifically vague because it applies to many of us, if not all of us, if we want to be honest, mm-hmm. and that there's always something that is a challenge for us. But he works through that with us and his power can be seen even stronger in our weakness, as Paul says. And I, I recognize that today you may be listening to this and you may not be agreeing with everything that's being said. And we both totally know that. Well, because there's points that we've had to deal with that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you'd mentioned, you know, there was a time when you weren't on speaking terms and then what? we were talking about, you know, when you just asked me to be able to go into the sanctuary and oh, leave. Oh, I forgot about that entirely. Yeah. So, well, first of all, to not be on speaking terms with God and be in a pastor's family creates a lot of challenges Um, because just because I wasn't talking about God did not mean that the whole family was not on speaking terms with God. Like Mm -hmm. I think I would have wanted. Um, but yeah, there was actually, I don't even, it, it was somewhere. I think when you and I were talking about it after right around the time I had talked about how God and I had had an agreement, I think it was around there. And, um, I don't fully remember everything. I just remember that, you know, perk of being a pastor's kid, we have a key to the church. And also we live next door to the church, which is quite convenient. And we, um, I went in there and I, yeah, I just asked you to leave, I think. And I just had the sanctuary Mm -hmm. to myself 
And I don't honestly remember what I said. I was just angry, and I remember throwing my Bible across the sanctuary. That's about the bit that I remember, and I, because I don't even, you weren't there when, like, or you were around. No, I, but was, like, I was around, but I wasn't listening. You know, I, I could tell that you were a bit vocal, but <laughs> I was I was deliberately not listening because at this point you were an older teenager, mm-hmm. and so often people want to go in and fix things and sometimes you know one of the things that you can do is just have dialogue with God and you know, I know we we're gonna bring it up a little bit later but you know I've often said I'd rather there be anger than apathy and so for someone to share that at least you're talking through things mm-hmm. with God you're you're letting him know how you feel because the reality is that he knows how you feel yep so if you were to just go okay well I'm not going to be honest with God the reality is he knows how you feel he knows you're angry he knows you're upset and sharing that with him is not the problem it's more of a problem to not share that with him and to try to hold that down because it's going to make the process drag out even longer well and that was what happened so um you know, I know that my mom and I have touched on it before, um, but I had had a near-death kind of trauma experience back in 2014, and it was actually just my dad and I that were there mm-hmm. um, that night. My mom was, she just... She was in New York she going was in New- for her nurse coaching Oh, right, right, right. Um, and it was just two of us there, and, you know, there's so much craziness about that night. Um that I don't think anybody could step by, like, minute by minute account for everything that happened. Right. At least I just feel like it was all such a blur, especially now, being five years out from that experience. Um, but something that I remember I kept repeating to myself because um, my my kind of worship song growing up that was just my closest song was How He Loves by um, David Crowder. And when I was experiencing this whole issue, I just continued to repeat, this is not how he loves. And saying it was not a fun night was an under, it could, that, is the biggest was, understatement. That was an understatement. You were your first semester freshman year, mm-hmm. and I needed to leave you briefly because you had to schedule for your classes. So in order for you to, it had to be done that night. And so I left and drove all the way back, back. to Fitchburg <laughs> to get your laptop. And something happened between there and, and things had really gone south for you. And when I got back, you were just had dealt with some severe pain. And at that point had actually thought that you were going to die. And, I just remember we had like multiple people in the room. Right. And I had and... the I had the nurses gauging it because the question was at at some point do I do you call your mother call... Yeah, and, and say you need to get here and they were saying that the vitals were fine but it was clear that your body was you your response to what was going on was not the same as what your body's response was. And that was part of the struggle. Um, I was on a medication, and it was clear I was having a really hard time with it. 
So they wanted to, like, the, the team had decided it would be best to just take me off it cold turkey rather than wearing, like, weaning down off it um, because they were just too concerned with what would happen and that it wasn't a medication that has withdrawals like you would think of a withdrawal, um, but it was, it was really um, destructive to my body. But this whole, this is not how he loves, I mean, it was just what played in my head over and over again was just like, this is not how God loves us. Like I just want to be done. And I was like, well, and, in that point, ready and, to die and just right. be well, done. Well, and you, you shared that. So, you know, if you're, if you're a caretaker and you're there, I get to hear, I just want to die. I just want to die. This is not how he loves. And just over, over and, and over, over again. throughout the night. And, uh, when your loved one is going through that, uh, it's a lot harder than going through it yourself to be that person who's on the side, who is just watching with nothing that you can do. And, you know, I have found that I've just seen God do so many things throughout my life that during that time, I really wasn't questioning if God exists or being angry at God, I guess what I couldn't understand was why. And that was the thing that kept going through my head to, to God as I'm like, well, Lord, why are you alive? I've, I've seen heal, people be healed. I've, you know, I've experienced it. I've watched it and we've had you know, people lay hands and mm -hmm. pray and, you know, sometimes God heals and sometimes he doesn't. he doesn't. And it can be a challenge and we don't always understand why. And sometimes it's, that is the lingering question that goes on. And you know, the one thing that, as we were thinking about this, that I happened to think about was that there was a point where I really felt like God just wrapped his arms around me and wept with me. And, you know, a part of the condition of sin is pain and illness and sickness has all come into the world. Uh, we were talking about a little bit before mm -hmm. the podcast that, you know, this is not how it was in the garden initially. It wasn't how it was when sin started, but in order for us to truly love God and to accept him, we need to have the opportunity to not accept him. And when that began, it started a chain reaction. And for some people, I've, I've talked to some people recently who are dealing with the consequences of, uh, you know, sin that was uh, placed upon them, that someone did a sinful act to them. We've had other people who've dealt with uh, the issues of health and you know all the illnesses that have come and whether it's environmental or other reasons that are there the reality is that these things weren't there in the garden but it's a part of the condition that we're in now and for God he just I think sometimes he just sits there and he looks at where we're at and he weeps whether it's because something we did that, that caused the result or whether it's just a result of sin 
being in the world. And sometimes, at least for me, it was comforting to just have that feeling, just like, you know, when Jesus went and saw uh, Martha and Mary and, and Lazarus was dead. Well, Jesus wasn't weeping because Lazarus was dead because he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Yep. He was upset because he could see everyone was in pain and he cried with them. And I think that there are times that, you know, when we're struggling, that just having that understanding that, that God is weeping alongside us as things are going on. And uh, he has a much better view than we do. I mean, he can see the future. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what choices could be made and which ones will be made. And at times he steps in and at times he lets things play out. And in the end, I think the thing that helps give me comfort is I know, and I've said, I know at some point you will be healed. Mm -hmm. The challenge is it may not be in this lifetime. Yeah. And, you know, I totally get if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't feel that way. I'm never going to feel that way because... That was very much how I felt. I mean, that why question of why did this happen to me? Why did he allow this to happen? Why did he just crush dreams that he planted in my heart? Like all all these different things were going through my mind. And um, for those who have been following along with me back in episode 14, you know, I talked about this most recent season um, of grief and losing um, the business that Jared and I ran and really just, you know, sitting with this and being like, you know, I don't want to go back to that place of, well, we're not on speaking terms because, because I was in a different place. I had done that. I had been through that journey of not talking to him for over a year because I was so focused on this why question, but being on the other side of it now, what I realized is, you know, he's, he's had to, And that's exactly what you were just saying is just, he's sad that I do have to experience disappointment and sickness and hurt and brokenness because I was not designed, you were not designed to have any of these things happen because that was not what was meant for us. We were meant to be in the perfect garden of Eden, but we don't live there anymore yet so often we still expect that perfection, although we're in a fallen world And, you know, that why question, if that's what you're wrestling with, that is beyond relatable. I mean, so that year, um, it, I would imagine, was not just hard on you guys as parents, but also from the standpoint of just the position in the church. I mean, I stopped going to church after that. I mean, I, I was for like the year it was i mean i it was it was quite a while and i had no intention of moving like past that and i especially after dealing all the memory loss i was just so done i was so done with the whole year and just the everything that had happened and i even remember um mom and i were sitting and talking and she was just saying like she was just sharing with me that although she was so devastated how God had still been moving in her heart, and I was just like, don't talk to me about that. And I I did not want to hear it. I did not want to discuss it, but I was very vocal about how I felt, but I didn't actually want to do anything about it. But that Um, 
was okay. And it's hard from a, a caregiver standpoint as, as a parent or you know someone who's in that situation because what you want to do is fix it. You want to fix the problem. You want to give the solution. You want to say the right thing. And sometimes we need to understand that the right thing to say is nothing. That sometimes as someone gets to this place, we need to be there to listen. And it can be a fine line because you want to, you don't want someone to abandon their faith. Yet you also understand that people need to work through their faith themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, being a youth pastor for as long as I was and involved in youth ministry, one of the things that we talk about is the, the transition between kids having their parents' faith to owning their own faith. And if you never get to a place at which you're owning your own faith, then as soon as challenges comes, it falls away. So as these challenges are there, as someone who loves the person who's going through it, or if you're going through it right now, what I would say is it's okay to go through it. And, you know, through that, asking the questions and, and it's okay to be angry at, you know, it's, it, as I said, it, I'd rather have someone be angry than apathetic. And, you know, so speaking it out, getting it off your chest and, and doing it with someone who's willing to, to listen. And then when the opportunity comes to share, allows someone to grow in their faith as opposed mm -hmm. to just being told what they should believe. Well, and I think you guys also knew that if you had really, really pushed me, that was not going to be what drew me closer. It was just going to make me more determined to just back off and just be really done. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my dad was the one that was up with me at night um, when I couldn't sleep and other things. We were couch buddies and lots of good TV shows, but like there was also a lot of conversations that took place, um, more conversations than either of us could probably ever remember. Um, and you know, that was so important about just listening. And I think, well, lots of those conversations were superficial. That's true. And I think sometimes people think you, you need to work something significant in, and, and sometimes it's just a matter of walking alongside someone. And yeah. just listening to them and letting them share what they need to share. And sometimes it's about talking about stuff that is trivial and unimportant. Mm -hmm. And just allowing someone to kind of leave that moment, even if it's for a brief time. Yep. And, you know, something um, that's so interesting. So I had recently read the book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, by Lisa Turkarest, who has an amazing story. Um, and the book is fantastic. Um, but she... She really, I felt like, was reading my heart. Um, she, I just felt like she was sharing everything that my brain thought. Um, my best friend Mara had actually read the book, and she was like, Cassie, I felt like I was in your head, um, and I felt like I could understand better. And one of the things in the final chapter she talks about um, is just this conversation that she imagines, um, you know, God and Jesus having, and... You know, I I had learned for so long that why had become like that word had become destructive because I went through such a year of just constantly questioning why 
that when I got to a place where God and I were communicating again and I was learning and I was growing, I think I almost became afraid of asking that why question. And that was so opposite in this season of grief is I almost didn't even want to utter the words because I was just like, I, I can't do this to myself again. I know that he has a purpose. But what was so interesting was in this book, I just felt like I found a middle ground between the, well, I can never say why, or if I say why, I have to be totally against God in the process. And um, she says, um, and this is a conversation that God and Jesus are having, um, just, you know, it's it's an analogy, um, it's not from scripture, just to clarify, um, but I'll start here. And it says, the father replied, she most certainly will question me. Her favorite question of all will be why, and it will serve her well. For in the incessant wrestling, she will come to learn something most people never learn. She will see that I didn't do these things to her. I did them for her. Although it broke my heart to give her the opposite of what she wanted, she will watch me eventually turn all that bad into good. And that's just one clip of, like, just an amazing book. But that was something that really helped me understand that why is not always a bad question because we want to learn the answers and we want to grow closer and I would not be this close to God had I not asked those questions and gone through those seasons and if that's where you're at like we cannot say it enough that is okay that is healthy like it is well and also the reality and maybe some people don't want to hear this but we may not get the answers in this lifetime. Yep. There are certain pieces to this that we still don't fully understand, and you know, that's okay. You well, know. and just like you were saying, and our healing may not be on this side of heaven, mm-hmm. and that is that is really hard. And it doesn't mean that just because all of a sudden we've been like, well, asking why is okay, that just now, oh, great everything's lifted, everything's better, there's still hurt, there's still brokenness, there's still pain, all of those things will happen, but it's different when you know that he's walking through it with you, and, you know, one of the um, chapters of the Bible that we were really looking at was Psalm 142, and we just, I'll I'll let you go ahead, because you had just some really, really good insight to this. Well, Psalm 142 is when David is in the cave being chased by Saul and there's this whole challenge and and one of the things that you find in it is that uh, David's having a miserable time and he's struggling and he's frustrated and he doesn't understand and he's angry Yep. and in the end of it one of the things that we find is that he's not any less angry. The psalm goes like this. I cry out to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. 
The path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. But he says this this psalm, he's still in that place. So he's he's crying out to God. He's 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 arguing, he's he's challenging God, but he still looks to God in the end, even though he's still in the midst of the challenge. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the reasons that he can do this is because he has seen God walk through challenges with him. Mm-hmm. And he has seen that God is, is there for him. So when he hits this point, even though he's in the midst of this challenge, he knows that he will get through it. Mm-hmm. And even um, in the New Living Translation, I love how it just says, when I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way that I should turn. And, you know, I think about that because, you know, we, there are times that I, I do, I try to tell God about everything, even as we talked about in a recent podcast about, you know, like, have you prayed about it as much as you've talked about it? Um, you know, I want to lay these out before him and when I'm overwhelmed, I just go to him, but he doesn't immediately just say, oh, here's how to like, here's the way you should go. Like he, he knows the way that I should go, but he doesn't always make that clear to me. Um, yet I can still sit here and say, all right, God, I don't understand, but I know that you're still good. And I don't agree with what's happening to me. I don't like what's happening to me. This was not my plan, but I know that you're going to walk through this with me. And that's so important. And one of the things we also talked about, you know, practical ways that we can, really work through the things that we're dealing with is, you know, one thing, especially as caretakers, friends, for anybody who knows somebody who is suffering in this way, to listen is so powerful. And just to give them space, I mean, there, there are even times that I'll call you or I'm talking to Jerry Rivers and I'll just go, so I need to tell you about this, but I don't want you to fix it. Because I know it can't be fixed, but I just want somebody to listen. And I'll be the first to say that when I know I really need a listening ear who will also give me sound advice, if I want it, it would definitely be you. And I know I can come to you. And I think if you're a caretaker, letting that person know or having somebody that you even talk to yourself that you have, it's so important to have that just a well, relationship and, and on the caregiver side just understanding that a lot of the things that are going to come up are going to be problems that you can't solve they're going to be things that you can't answer so and it might be messy and uncomfortable right and and for you as well on that side as i said i wasn't the one that was in there feeling like i was dying but i'll tell you there was a piece of me that seemed like it was dying and the thing that kept me from being in that place was thinking through and remembering all the ways that God had been 
faithfully along with me the ways that he'd taken care of me. So especially if you're someone, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then you know when you gave your life to him that there were certain things, there were things that changed, there were things that happened. And you want to remember those things. You want to have a list so when difficult time come, you can see, just like David, you know, I can I can be frustrated and I can be angry, but you know what, I can look back and I can also see all the ways in which he helped me and provided for me and was there for me. And that will help me through those difficult times. Well, and having those like that list um you know i think of the i hope i'm i'm quoting this right um but it's okay i've got a pastor here to tell me if i'm wrong (laughs) um (laughs) but i think about um i think it was the israelites and they had made their ebenezer and they had said like you know this is like when we see the stone this will be a reminder of all that god has done and you know, there are certain things, um, whether you have a tangible item or even like for me in my prayer list, I have every single day, despite all the things I'm praying over that aren't going the way that I want, I never want to forget his faithfulness and allowing me to start home care and just giving me so much more comfort Mm -hmm. through this illness. And so I literally have it in there every day saying, don't forget. And I put that in there because if I don't hold on to those things and those ways that he's been so faithful, I get really overwhelmed and bitter about what's going on. So whether you have that physical, like tangible item to remind you of faithfulness or you have it written down or somewhere you're going to see it, that is really helpful. And it does not fix everything. I mean, it's just like writing on a gratitude list is not going to necessarily make you feel grateful, but it helps you see all that you have compared to what you don't have, which is what I think tends to fill our minds. Well, and every day is a blessing. Mm -hmm. I mean, every day is a day, and you can choose for it to be a blessing or not. But, you know, I I remember there being times when you would just say, you know, it would be so much easier if I wasn't around. Wouldn't it be easier Mm -hmm. if, if I just died? It's like, you know, every day that we get as a blessing. And I had said at that point, with all of the the pain and suffering that I saw you go through, if my choice was to not go through the pain and suffering, but not have you in my life, I will take having you in my life every time. Because, you know... Which, friends, if that's hard to hear, I remember him saying that to me that he said it, and I was not too thrilled. But, but as a caregiver, we need to understand, because sometimes it does get hard. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we hear things that are difficult. But, but every day is a blessing, and it's a gift from God. And you know, I deal with other situations where people lose loved ones before they were expected to go. And you know, often when it's in that situation, they say, don't take for granted any of these days. Mm-hmm. Because you never know when they're going to be gone. So we want to, as, as, as painful as they may be, as challenging as they may be, uh, often the other options are much less desirable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, I think there are times that we also believe that, like, we can't be angry with God. But anger isn't typically 
the problem as an emotion in and of itself. It's our response to that anger. Because so often we want to, we, we think, oh, well, I'm not supposed to be angry. But if you look through the Bible and what we're talking about, because most people you bring up Job and no one wants to hear about Job. It's like, oh, everyone, anytime there's a trial or a struggle, think of Job. Well, you know, you can look at David. You can, you know, look through a lot of the, the kings through Kings and Chronicles. Uh, but, you know, what we see is that, you know, Job went through these challenges. Job did nothing wrong. I mean, that's, if you're in that place where you're like, you know, I get this illness and, you know, you know, maybe you're someone who, you know, your family's followed Christ and you're like, I've done nothing wrong. My family, as far as I know, we haven't done anything wrong. And yet here we are and we're suffering. And, you know, you know Job didn't deserve it either with each step that went. But we were kind of talking about it a little bit before. And it's interesting yep. that uh, in the end, when God talks to Job, he doesn't say, you know what, Job, you're right and I'm wrong. Yeah, like this never should have happened to you. Yeah. And that's not what God says. He doesn't just go, yeah, this was a big mistake. You know, what he does is he says, you know, do you know who you're talking to? And then he lays out who he is. And as he starts talking and sharing who he is and all he's done, uh, Job starts to realize, you know what, I've got no right to say anything. But then he turns around to those who challenged Job and, and said that he had done something wrong and there must be some sin somewhere. Mm -hmm. And he says to them, now go ask Job to pray for you because you're wrong. So he doesn't tell Job that he's right, but he tells the other ones they are wrong. And, you know, sometimes things happen and God is the one that is ultimately in control and he understands. And, and that's hard. That is hard to hear when you're, in pain when you're suffering and when life is not going the way that you planned right but that's when being able to look back and see the things that God has done and to understand that you know maybe you're in a place where right now all God wants to do is come and wrap his arms around you and weep with you maybe he's in a place where he's going to pick you up and carry you for a period and there'll be points Hopefully when you will rejoice with him. But as believers in Jesus Christ, the, one of the great things that we have is this life is not the end. Yep. We have the hope that comes from what happens after this life. So we keep our eyes on Jesus because we know that in the end we will be with him. And he promises that all his pain and all his suffering, there'll be none of that. So no matter what we're going through, to persevere through because in the end... The end is where we want to have our focus be. Yep. And there's there's just so much I feel like that even still can be unpacked from this. But if you are dealing with this right now, whether you are a caretaker or you're the one going through it yourself, um, know that we're praying for you and mm -hmm. that we will rejoice with you when you rejoice. And you know, we're, we're going to listen if you need to listen, someone to listen. Um, and if you want to look more into, I know you've got some great resources on your blog, which is, um, finding your way home. 
um, blog, which um, the tagline for that is um, alongthemulticoloredroad.com. And obviously you all know where to find me, um, but, you know, I encourage you that if you're questioning with this, talk to your pastor, talk to a trusted spiritual advisor, um, a therapist, anybody that, you know, you really trust who is biblically um, aligned and sound, um, you know, that's, that's what people are there for. And when we're brave enough to ask for help, more often than not, we're going to receive it. So I'm so glad that you got to be here and we got to chat today and, um, yeah. Can I close this with a prayer? I would love that. Lord, I just thank you for this time with my daughter, Lord. And although it has been hard to see some of the challenges and struggles that she's been through, Lord, I, I wouldn't give up a day if it meant that I wouldn't have her here for Lord. She is been a great blessing and joy to us and lord i just want to pray for all those who are listening right now lord there are going to be some who don't know you and lord i just pray that as they hear this lord that there might be a piece of them that wants to know more about you Lord, there are going to be some that are going to be angry and don't want to hear this and that's okay too it's okay to be angry Lord, i pray that they would know that You love them and you care for them, even in the midst of this trial. And Lord, for those who are willing, Lord, I pray that you would uh, have them allow you to come down and to comfort them in the midst of the challenge. And that you would give them your peace and your love in the midst of the trial. Knowing that in the end, all things are going to work out. Because in the end, you are victor. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Oregon College Savings Plan can help fund your child's dreams and ideas. But it's not just for college. It's also the trade school savings plan and the books and materials savings plan, even the room and board savings plan. With fewer educational expenses to think about, your kids can focus on what matters, their future. Start saving today to support your child's tomorrow. Learn more at OregonCollegeSavings.com. Where you live shouldn't limit your access to quality internet. That's not fair. U.S. Cellular introduces fast and fair high-speed internet. With reliable home internet from U.S. Cellular, now there's no limit to how you stream, game, and work. So instead of this... You get this. Upgrade to fast and fair high-speed internet from U.S. Cellular. Upgrade to fair 